most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Knowledge Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. Episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. You heard the man. I'm your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly. And with me, as usual, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? Here we go. We are doing fantastic, brother. Great to see you. It is a fine Thursday. I like to refer to them as Friday Juniors. We got the upcoming weekend ahead of us, man. Another fight night back-to-back in the uh, apex, ladies and gentlemen. And then great to be here with y'all here as well. If you're in the chat, say what up. Say what up. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know how the week was. Let us know how pumped up you are for this fight card, man. I- I'm excited, man. Can't wait to dive on in. I am definitely excited about this one. I feel like it's uh, it's not getting the respect that it deserves, folks. Uh, oh, man. No. I just I feel like this is... A very underrated card. There's a lot of low-key bangers on here, as folks like to say. What up, Mad Max Meridian in the chat? Thursday, Junior boy. Let's Let's go. Good to see you, brother. How we doing? How we feeling? Friday, Junior. Um, Friday, Eve. And and yeah, speaking of Friday, (laughs) Junior, speaking of excitement, Mad Max Meridian in the chat, let us know what fight you are most excited about, my guy. We'd love to hear it. Um, Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump right on into this one. Um, we'll start right at the bottom of the card. Some of these we might not have a ton to say about. Um, some maybe a little bit more than others. So, like I said, without further ado, at the very beginning of this free fight night card, we have Kilong Aori coming in against Daniel Marcos in the Bantamweight division. Both men are 30 years of age. Both men are five foot six inches tall, and uh, both men have a 69 inch reach advantage. Uh, everything is virtually identical, as uh, Mike Goldberg would say. This is definitely one of those fight nights, as Mad Max Meridian is basically echoing in the chat right now. Tough picks on this one. A lot of tough picks on this one. Uh, I, c- I couldn't agree more. I feel like this is definitely a hard one to make bets on and, and just a hard one to make picks in in general. Nano, I'm curious to see how you see this one shaping up or how you think this one shapes up, rather, uh, in the opening fight of the night here between Daniel Marcos and Kilong Aori. This is a fun one, brother, and I'm glad that you went first on the enunciation there because uh, I do see it that way, but then I also see it Aori Lee <laughs> Kilang. <laughs> so not sure how we say his name here, but we're trying to put, with all due respect, on the name. Uh, I'm going to call him Ayo Fasheyo. Um, but yeah, man, I do think that um, all respect to Ayo with his uh, 25 <laughs> and 10 records in there, 30 years old, very active. I mean, 35 fights, more than he's been, more than uh, the years he's been around. 
that's it's great to see. But, you know, those 10 losses, not ideal, not ideal. And he is three and three since entering, entering, excuse me, uh, the UFC octagon. And that's not like our boy Daniel Marcos over here, right? He's 15 and 0, has not sniffed the victory yet. Uh, eight KOs on his belt, seven decisions. It's most likely going to be one or the other. Uh, and, and I just feel like he's been real, uh, he being Daniel Marcos, been real, really impressive since his uh, Dana White Contender Series debut. He's been 3-0, and and most recently, brother, he's beat one of our favorites, man, a Davy Grant, a witty, shifty Davy Grant, man. Daniel Marcos was able to find a way. I know, ladies and gents, it was, it was a good, it was a shocker, and some people thought it was a close fight. It was split decision, so one judge did feel it. Davy Grant did get the nod, but hey, man, to take Davy the distance and to be able to get the victory, that says something, right? He's able to dig deep for 15 minutes. He's able to beat a proven solid bantamweight fighter uh and again i'm excited for what's ahead of uh for this kid if he could keep that undefeated record i, I love seeing that although one of somebody lost their record last uh weekend not this weekend brother i think he's gonna go 16 and 0 for show not only because his last name is my brother's first name but uh i just do think he's the better all-around fighter <laughs> and i think he has more passive victory but he's very well-rounded so I'm expecting this to probably go decision. That's uh, where AO typically tends to go as well. 16 division uh, decision uh, under his belt. But yeah, man, I'm leaning. I'm leaving our boy Daniel Marcos here to lead off the card. And going to be fireworks for sure, ladies and gentlemen. Going to be some fun striking. You're going to see some good footwork. And you're going to see a hell of a fight. Just lead off this sleeper of a card. Don't sleep on this one. What are you thinking, brother? Basically, just going to echo a lot of the sentiments that you said. I think uh, Daniel Marcos does bring a lot, a lot to the table here, folks. Uh, the guy is an absolute beast. Sancora, I, I mean, what else is there to say? The guy, he, he can get it done pretty much no matter where the fight goes. Um, if it goes to decision, he's got seven wins by way of decision. If it goes to, uh, you know, you know, going hands-hand, the guy's got hands, right? He's got eight knockout wins under his belt. A little over half of his wins have come by way of knockout. And as you said, he got the split decision nod over our guy, Davey Grant, who is a very wily veteran in the division and, and you know, a ultimate fighter alum, which we know those guys are game, right? So Davey Grant's as tough as they come. And for him to go out there and not only get the split decision nod, but just to be able to go the distance against somebody that is as tough and gritty as Davey Grant gives me a lot of hope that he'll be able to get it done in somebody like Kilonga Iori. Um for that reason, I would probably have to bet a little bit of stake uh, on Daniel Marcos in this one. He is a favorite for a reason here, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I think he gets it done. I, I think this is definitely a, a good matchup for him. Don't know if I'm going to put any straight bets on him. Maybe I'll throw him on a parlay here here towards the end. But uh, time will tell. We'll find out. Well, I'm writing that one down because I do like that bet as well. Potentially as a parlay, maybe in my long shot parlay. I think that might be a new theme you'll be seeing here from the Jive Turkey, ladies and gents. We're going to keep doing our individual parlays, but we always got to have that long shot, right? We got to always keep that scenario open in case, you know, all stars do align. So he might be in that long shot parlay, we'll call it, baby. Let's go. Love to see it, baby. Uh, speaking of that, moving into the next one, we got Fernie Garcia coming in against Hyder Amil, another undefeated young man in Hyder Amil, 33 years of age, coming in against Fernie Garcia at 31 years of age, five foot six for Fernie Garcia against five foot eight for Hyder Amil. Um, Hyder Amil is actually 
typically a 145 pound fighter, according to Google, at least. Um, and, and this is going to be a featherweight fight. So Fernie Garcia, the 135er, looks to be coming up. Uh, I'll have to look here at his his record and see what his last fight was. Yeah, I, I was going to say his last fight was definitely bantamweight. It was yeah. against uh, Henya Nakamura. So and that could be potentially because it's on short notice. He took it on four, like a few days. I was going to say short. four or five days. It, it's definitely not long. Um, and they've had a lot of cancellations on this fight card, right? Hydra Mill was originally supposed to fight uh, Melsic Bagdazarian, and that fight fell through. Um, and then they scheduled him against Shailen Nordenbeck, and that one fell through. So this is the third fight that's been scheduled in the last like month, I believe, for uh, Hydra Mill. So here he is. He's he's getting Bernie Garcia. Um, that being said, Hyder Mill's been training for a fight for some time now. Bernie Garcia, I don't know if he was in camp. I don't know if he was out of camp. Either way, he is fighting up a weight class, fighting a stronger guy in Hyder Mill. Um, I, my gut's telling me to go with Hyder on this one. We just haven't seen him in the UFC, right? Like he, yeah, he's this is his, his first UFC fight and. Um, there's not really a whole lot to go off of for the kid. Uh, he's had the contender series win. Even that, like, in my opinion, it wasn't super standout-ish. He got a decision win over Emra Sanmez, who, you know, like, he's good enough, but he's 14-5. and five. Um, The Anatolian Wolf doesn't bring a, a crazy amount of veteranship to the octagon as far as who he's fought. So... I'm intrigued by this matchup, but I, I'm not putting any stake in this fight. Uh, gun to my head, give me Hyder Emil. Uh, gun away from my head, stay the fuck away from this one on the betting odds, kids. <laughs> Love that, brother. Yeah, if it's low stake odds, hopefully, hopefully that gun is not truly at thy head. So you know you're not. It's not do or die, right? But uh, no, I think all things considered, like you said, brother, great analysis. I'll just add my two cents here. And because of all the canceled bouts and because, hey, I mean, we're looking at a fighter here in Fernie Garcia, Big Fern. Fortunately, man, he's on a three-fight losing streak. He is a hungry dog back against the wall. I think when he got that phone call, he's probably excited to say, hey, you know what? Screw the training camp. Screw all this overthinking and, and getting caught up in my own head. I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to fight. I'm going to fight my fight. I'm a hungry dog. Junkyard dog, as we like to call him around here. We'll see if he has enough dog in him. I mean, unfortunately, he's going in there against Hyder. He's going against Hyder. Here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. He's a hurricane. Uh, Emil, I mean, again, man, 8-0. We haven't seen a lot from him, unfortunately. But what we do know is that he spent some time in Bellator, Bellator, which I know may not be saying much. You know, it could be uh, punching bags he could have been finding there. But no, with all due respect. Uh, that was interesting to me to, to spend your right from going to, from your amateur career into your pro career right into Bellator. Thought that was interesting, uh, and then going into LFA again, not not ever losing. I mean, call it what you want. That's impressive, and that has to mean something. To your point, I am skeptical, which is probably why I won't put my money where my mouth is here in terms of the betting odds. But um, I do think he's the favorite. I do think he's the one that's most likely going to win. And he is fine out of Alejo, California. Big shout out, Cali. Big shout out the Bay Area. He's about to go stupid. Go dumb, dumb. He's able to fit two songs into that one. Let's go, baby. I'm hyped. Leaning high, leaning a mill for show. Book it. 
Got to lean towards the hurricane, man. Um, looks like we're both aligned there, so that's great. Um, very, very rare opportunity or very rare occasion where we actually agree on something here on the podcast. So, love to hear it. Not going to delve much more into that one. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump right into the next one here. We got Zach Pauga coming in against Bogdan Guskov. A lot of fun names on this one. Got to tell you. Um, definitely a lot of fun names on this one. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's not a ton to say about this one. Zach Pauga is, I mean, the the more, it's crazy. I feel like he's more of a veteran fighter, but he has way less fights, if that makes sense. Um, Bogdan has 14 and three record. Uh, Zach, the high chief Pauga, has a six and two record. However, the main difference is, um, you know, we've been watching Zach Pauga since the Ultimate Fighter season 30. Uh, this guy has had three UFC fights, even though he's one and two in the UFC. The only person he has beat is Jordan Wright, um, who on that night looked a little bit like Jordan Wrong. <laughs> and, uh, you know, his opponent, I, I mean, we've seen him in one UFC fight. It was against Vulcan Ozdemir, and he got rear naked choked in the very first round. So, I don't know, man. I, I like Zach Palga in this one. And apparently Vegas does too. Uh, he's a very slight favorite coming in at minus 122. Uh, Bogdan Kuskov coming in at plus 102 here. If we look at it just strictly based on the numbers and the stats here, these guys literally have the same exact reach. They fight at the same weight class. There's a four-year uh, age difference, but they're the same exact height. So, I mean, if anything... Again, I'm leaning towards Zach Palga. I know typically the older man doesn't win in these fights, but I think that stat, there has to be a, a larger age gap than four years. So 35 years of age versus 31 years of age. One is entering fight prime. The other is exiting fight prime. But either way, they're both in their fight prime. Give me Zach in this one, buddy. I think he's probably going to go out there and get the finish. What you got, Nano? Oh, this one may be one to chase an under because maybe we won't need the judges in this one, ladies and gents. We do have some big dogs going at it. And unfortunately, brother, I'm going to have to break our streak here. I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to have to agree to disagree with you, brother. Kindly, respectfully. Uh, and, and here's why, man. I mean, the thing is with Bogdan Gustov, Guskov, excuse me, uh, though we have not seen a lot of him and what we have seen, he did get rear naked choked at. Uh, by Vulcan Ozdemir, who is a dog. Let's not, you know, let's not pretend like that's a nobody. He's an absolute dog. Thank you for the cue in there right on time. Um, but all things considered, he, he's got a really good record and he's got a high finishing rate, man. I mean, with uh, 14 wins, 12 of them by knockout, two submissions. Doesn't need the judges when he fights, man. And I expect that streak to continue. Though I do like Zach Palga as a person, uh, being the next cop and seeing him on the Ultimate Fighter, um, although he did come up short a, a couple times, I just and I know he went down a weight class, which typically you love to see, but like you said, just a few years older at this stage in his career and his life, I'd, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to see him. Excuse me, I got caught up in my my words there, my spit. I just be, would be hard pressed to see him go in and beat someone who is a finisher, right? This isn't just an average, you know, run-of-the-mill guy. This isn't a, a tune-up fight. This is somebody that's going out there. Yes, he just got off a loss, but he means vengeance when he's in that octagon. So I think he's going to find a way to get it done. 
probably going to find a way to hurt him, get him out of there, maybe in the second or third round. First round is going to be a filling out process. I feel like uh, it typically happens sometimes with these big boys. They don't want to just go in there and start swinging and banging like some of the, the you know flyweights will. So I'll see a little more calculation. Maybe Zach will try to use some of that wrestling. I don't know if he has a jujitsu or ground game to choke out and um, a boat Bogdan Guskov. So I'm going with the Zervich uh, Bogdan on this one, brother. And uh, looks like one of us will be doing a shot next week. And that's the turkey take of the week. Um, man, I got to be honest with you. I, I just, I'm going to poke holes in, in your theory for just a sec. For just a sec. I got to be that guy. Uh, so I, I dug a little bit deep on this this fight. I don't know why this one was interesting to me, but it was. Um, I think Zach Palga maybe has like liked one of my tweets, and so like when he fights, I'm more intrigued. I don't know why. Um, you know. So I looked into this this fight. I looked into Bogdan Guskov more specifically because I didn't really know much about him before his fight against Volkan Ozdemir, uh, which, as we agree on, was kind of a lackluster performance, right? Um, so what I did is I looked up the last three opponents that he has finishes over. One of them is 20 and 11. One of them is four and two. And one of them is seven, six, and one. So does not build confidence for me. Um, most of these guys have been finished more times than they have finished people. So I don't want to say that he's been crushing cans, but he's been crushing cans. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just, I feel like Zach Palga is not a can. I could be, I could be wrong here. Um, Maybe I've been puffing the peace pipe. Call me the high chief. You know what I'm saying? Um, still Zach Palga's nickname here for a moment. I, I just think he gets it done. We've got the high chief versus Thor. I think he's going to relax that thunder god and uh, put him to sleep. I think it's going to be his second finish in his professional mixed martial arts career. Love to see it. I love violence. If someone's getting dropped, I'd be happy either way, brother. I'm so with my dog. It's, is the one on top. I hope he's the, the uh, last horse in that race. Here we go. And uh, just a heads up, folks. If you did want to bet that, uh, you can actually get the method of victory double chance odds for Zach Palga to win by TKO, DQ, KO, or decision at plus 115. So... Plus odds on that, getting two chances at it. I think that's probably not a terrible play. Um, I have to look at I, the under, too, because honestly. The under, I think, might be the the smarter play now that you mention it. Let's see. What is the under on that? So the under 1.5 is actually <laughs> the favorites. Uh, under, one, under one and a half is minus 130. Here we go. Well, I it's guess that's, bad. I mean, they, they know that's what's going to happen. That's why. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, dude. I'm telling you. Ugh. I would say if you're less confident in choosing one of them, that's that's a, a somewhat safe bet to parlay because you got to imagine somebody's getting out of there. But it's going to be a fun one, y'all, for as long as it lasts. Actually, absolutely. It's going to be a bottle rocket of a fight, you know, very quick, very exciting, very flashy. Um this next fight has me a bit confused. Um, just makes me want to scratch my chin and my head a little bit, maybe at the same time. Uh, Max Griffin is fighting. What year is it right now? I mean, is man. that a time for a record scratch? You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> um, no, seriously, though. Max Griffin is fighting. 
It's the year 2024. I almost said 2023. That would have been embarrassing. But I digress. He's fighting Jeremiah Wells, who is 12 and 3, um, only one year younger than Max Griffin, which is wild to me. I think that was probably the wildest thing whenever I was looking into this matchup was I thought Jeremiah, <laughs> Jeremiah Wells was way younger than Max Griffin, just because we've seen Max Griffin for so long in the UFC, it feels like. Um, hell, I've been taking the steam off of most of these and, and leading the way. Nano, tell us how you feel about this one. Oh, thank you, brother. I was mesmerized by, yeah, you ready to go on in there. But this is an exciting one, man, for a few reasons. I do feel like, uh, like you said, Max Griffin, I mean, simply enough, he's, he's, to me, a legend, someone that we've grown up watching in the octagon. I mean, he's been fighting in the UFC for over 10 years now, just about 10 years. It's fantastic. You love to see anybody with that sort of longevity, though the record's not super pretty, right? Again, at 38 years old, 19 and 10, but he does have nine KOs and eight decisions, typically one or the other for him. He's a durable man, and he actually has looked better as of recent, I would say, right? I mean, it, although, again, the record doesn't look ideal, uh, and granted, I mean, he is coming off a loss, but it was to a tough Michael Morales, which I don't think a lot of people were really giving him a fair shot. I don't think I was either, but he earned my respect. He earned my respect. He went the full distance with them uh, and beat a tough Tim. You know what I means. Uh, so I do think that, you know, Max Griffin, I, I like the tools. I like the boxing. We're definitely going to see some good striking from him on that part. Uh, but he is going in there against a tough, strong, jam-packed Jeremiah Wells, who, again, the age, luckily, they're both a little bit older, right? Typically, you see the old buck uh, or the old bull facing the young calf, right? But not today, man. What what we do have are two savvy veterans, I'd like to say, uh, two wise guys here uh, in the division. Because, again, they are a little bit on the older side, but they've been around the block, man. Um, Jeremiah Wells clearly not as active, although he has been more active as of recent. Um, at the end of the day, you know how many, how much more tread does Max Payne Griffin have on those tires? I think just enough for one more round. I think just enough. I'm, I'm gonna take the edge here. That's right, baby. I'm taking Max Griffin, man, by decision. It's gonna be close, y'all. I think this will be a fun, high level fight. He may get t- taken down, and he may. Almost feel down and out, may lose the first round badly, but he's going to find a way to bounce back and win those last two. He's got that dog in him. Not to disrespect Jeremiah Wells, because again, he's he's savvy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him if he gets the win here over Max Griffin, but this is a fun fight, ladies and gents. Uh, and I guess I would be getting plus odds on this, so I might have to get, might have to sprinkle a little some sum on it, you know? Come on. What'd you think, brother? Well, I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm uh, I'm not mad at sprinkling a little bit on our guy, Max Payne Griffin. Um, let's see, let's see what we have in the chat here from Mad Max Meridian. Looks like he's got a little hedgy hedge going on, folks. Griffin money line plus one thirty five. Wells decision plus two twenty five. Hedge had me interested here. I'm not mad about it. Um. Yeah, I think if Jeremiah Wells gets a win here, it's going to be a decision. Um, even though he does have five KOs to his name, I don't think Max is that guy. Max is not that guy to get knocked out. Little known fun fact here. Uh, do you know who Max Payne Griffin made his UFC uh, debut against? Could be anyone. It's Colby Covington. Oh. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so his UFC debut was uh, Kobe Covington. You talking about yeah. chaos? Kobe, Kobe Chaos Covington. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, pretty much sucks. So that sucks for him. Uh, and, you know, fun fact, three fights before he made it to the UFC was his last loss before that Kobe Covington fight. And that was against another name that you might have heard of. He made it to the UFC years later. A little-known guy named Chitty and Chukwani. Yeah. Fucking crazy Chukwani? knockout power in Chukwani. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's also fought names like Alex Morono, uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, Elizu Zaleski, uh, Mike Perry, Curtis Millender, Tiago Alves. I mean, the list goes on. Neil Magny, Tim the Dirty Bird Means, as you stated, Michael Morales, brilliantly gifted up and coming kid. Um, who is fighting out of Ecuador, 16-0, and 0, beautiful boxing, just fucking crispy to witness. But we're not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about Max Payne Griffin and what he goes out there and does. Uh, now, his nickname is Payne, and that's exactly what he brings to the table, whether it's him inflicting it or it's him enduring it. The man's all about it. Um, very much like Darren the Damaged Elkins, he is not a quitter. He is a go-getter. Uh, he is somebody that will get on top and... Make you flop. He's somebody that is going to punch you and never going to stop. Max Payne Griffin is just a fucking stud in every sense of the word. And he's someone who's been in here for a very, very long time. And he doesn't have a whole lot of tread left on the tires. So this could very well be either a retirement fight for him or a fight to set up a retirement fight for him against a fellow legend. I, I just truly think that Jeremiah Wells is a good fighter, but he's not the type of fighter that can get a win over Max Griffin. I like Max Griffin in this one. Um, probably going to take the money line here at plus odds and, and just shoot a straight bet on that one. I don't think I'm going to put it as part of a parlay because I'd hate to have Max Payne Griffin bust my parlay. That would be pain. Um, so we're not going to go there. We're not going to play that game, kids. But I also like I like Mad Max Meridian in the chat. Here's Hedge. I'll put that up on screen one more time for you. So he he's taking Griffin money line plus 135. And Wells by decision plus two twenty five here hedging um, feels like a can't lose situation there. Not gonna lie, here on the No Filter Show we might have to follow that. I like it. I like it. Mad Max likes Mad Max in this one. Here we go. Lock it up. Let's go. Let's go. Max on Max. You love to see it. Max on Max making stacks on stacks. Uh, so moving into the next one, we got Devin Clark. Coming in against Marcin Prachnio. This is a very interesting fight, right? Um, Marcin Prachnio is kind of an up-and-down fighter, but so is his opponent here. Uh, someone who really likes to land power early on or we've seen get gassed if it doesn't work out. Uh, 33 years old for Devin Clark, 35 years old for Marcin Prachnio. Six foot for Devin Clark, a two-inch uh, height advantage for Marcin and a one-inch reach disadvantage for Marcin. Hell of an ape index does Devin Clark have. Uh, you love to see it. I feel like this one's definitely a toss-up fight. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, let's see here. Vegas has it pretty heftily in favor of Devin Clark. I don't know that that's... I'm, I'm not as confident as Vegas is in that one. They've got him at minus 238 right now. I'm thinking maybe the under 2.5 on this one might be the money to play. It's at plus odds right now, too. Plus 135. Um, we've seen both of these guys get finishes in the past. 
Are they prolific finishers that make it happen every time? No. Typically, when we see two guys that have knockout power, though, um, they will go out there and leave it all on the line. So I think Proxneo is probably a lot more live for a knockout in this one than the man across from him and Brown Bear Devin Clark. But again, we've also seen Devin Clark get four knockouts in there. Um, he's gotten a knockout over William Knight. Uh, it looked like he was going to get to unjung out of there a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then same thing with Kennedy and Chuck. Like they were trading up until he got taken out. So the under two and a half here, I think might be the play. No, no. What you got? Ooh. Okay. Under. I like it. I like it. Keep it under the thunder from under. Uh, this is an interesting matchup for sure. Like you mentioned here, we're leading off with Devin Clark at 33 years old, 14 and eight record four KOs, nine decisions, typically able to go the distance here. Uh, versing uh, up against a Marcin Procneo, Prachneo, uh, 35 years old, 16 and seven record with 11 KOs, man. Like you mentioned, he's able to get people out of there, right? Uh, but the one worry I do have with the Procneo and maybe where uh, Vegas also sees some weariness is the fact that, you know, what is he, what answer is he going to have for the wrestler in Devin Clark? I mean, You've, we've seen, you know, uh, what a Khabib could do to anybody, right? I don't care what kind of striker you are. If you don't have an answer for that wrestling game, if you are someone that's maybe mo more likely to get uh, worn out or even get choked out, like uh, Procneo most recently did to a Vitor Petrino, who is an absolute savage. Not, let's, you know, Fantastic. let's call that what it is. Devin Clark's not necessarily in that same ballpark, maybe just yet. Um, but again, uh, for both these fighters and again, Devin Clark, one being the American, uh, two being the little bit of the younger fighter. And I think going to be a little bit more explosive and then having that wrestling background to complement his skills on his feet, I think are going to be what uh, edges him to victory here. And Hey brother, like you mentioned, I mean, a couple of rounds of wrestling and a couple of rounds of a little ground and pound wouldn't be surprised if, uh, may not need more than two. So I do think um, leaning Devin Clark here, and it looks like Mad Max as well is liking that under two point five. So let's take it by. Uh, let's take it by. Are we think he's going to submit him then? I think a little subby. I don't know if Mad Max has any callouts there. I'll give him a. Uh, I'll uh, Venmo him or cash app him a little sum sum if he gets it right. But wait, you're you're going Devin know. Clark? Going Devin Clark. Fuck it, I'll, I'll put the shot on Procneo. Oh, you freaking dirty dog. What the hell? Shout out Procneo, but the bet is on the under 2.5. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I mean like Brown Bear's got he's got hands, man. He can crack, but he gets cracked. And I feel like Procneo is I mean, he's got a win over fucking Roundtree, bro. Like people forget about that. He's got a unanimous decision win over Khalil Roundtree. Yeah, it was a while ago, but yeah, he did. He did. That's it not that in, long ago. It was in 2023 or 2021. 2021, yeah. So, you like, right, three years right. ago? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. yeah. So, like, the only people that have beat him are, you know, Magomed Ankalaev, uh, the the god himself, Sam Alvey. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> that was a joke, just in case anybody didn't get that. Uh, <laughs> smiling Sam Alvey, the only person I've ever seen that can lose nine fights in a row in the UFC and not get cut. That was very impressive. Um, 
Yeah, let's, let's see what Mad Max said here before we jump on to the next fight. Clark has a lot of the physical gifts, just kind of does goofy shit. Michael Johnson-esque sometimes. I completely agree. Um, he has all the tools, has uh, all the physical abilities, but he's just the fight IQ sometimes escapes him. Uh, and, and you hate to see it. That's Honestly, fight IQ is the hardest thing to learn. It's the hardest thing to teach. Uh, it is something that is acquired over time. It's not given. It, it comes with rounds and rounds and rounds of sparring. But it also comes with adapting and having to adapt. If you never change gyms and you never change sparring partners, you'll never learn to grow and, and improve your abilities uh, in general. Because what ends up happening is those same tricks that you pull in the gym, they work over and over again. And you never have to change. You never have to adapt. So you get away with that goofy shit. Uh, and then you face a Marcin Procneo and you get knocked the fuck out. So um, I got Marcin Procneo on this one for the shot. But for the monies, I got the under 2.5. I just simply think, come on, kids. This one's probably going to be a finish. Um, this next fight have has uh, two women with arguably two of the funnest names, just to say out loud. So you got Loma Lukbomi. Um, I'll say it again for you. Loma Lukbomi. Coming in against Bruna Brazil. Uh, again, Bruna Brazil. They're just really fun names to say. So I'm excited about this one. I think this is going to be a, a very, very fun fight. Similar records. We got 8 and 3 coming in against 9, 3, and 1. 28 years old against 30 years old. 5 1 against 5 5. So a bit of a, a height difference here. Four inches for Bruna Brazil. And, uh, she also has a four-inch reach advantage here. So 61.5-inch reach for Lumalokpomi and 65.5-inch reach for Bruna Brazil. Um, both of these women have kind of up-and-down trajectories or, or careers so far from what I've witnessed in the UFC. The more consistent of the two, definitely, I mean, again, in my opinion... I'm going to say I like Bruna Brazil here. Um, they're both two and one in the UFC. But for me, it's like who they fought. Luma Luquami has lost to Lupita Godinez um, and she's beaten Elise Reed and Denise Gomes. She, across from her, Bruna Brazil has lost to Denise Gomes which is interesting because her opponent has beaten Denise Gomes, uh, but she's beaten Marnik Man in the Contender Series. She got a nasty head kick in the second round right before the round ended, like a little under 30 seconds before the round ended. Heard it echo in the, the UFC Apex Center, which was just beautiful. Um, her next fight was against Denise Gomes. She lost that, got knocked out in the second round, and then she went out there against Shauna Bannon, who is like, an up-and-comer from Ireland. The UFC was really trying to push and hype her. And uh, I got to be honest, man. I uh, I watched this woman, Bruna Brazil, just put it on her and get that unanimous decision win. So I like Bruna Brazil in this one. I feel like she's the more consistent pick. If it goes the distance, I think Bruna Brazil wins. If there's a finish, I don't know, dude. This is just a weird fight. I'm just gonna. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna delve on it. I'm just gonna say Bruna Brazil. I think she has more skills to get this done. I think the reach advantage is going to play a real problem for Loma Lokpo Me. It's gonna be hard for her to get in on her opponent. And uh, you know, in, in her last fight, 
Luma Lukbomi really, really looked to establish the grappling against Elise Reed, uh, which is how she got the submission early in the second round. She went two for three on takedowns. And then, I mean, in the fight before that, she got the win over Denise Gomes doing the same exact thing, right? She got four of five takedowns. That's where she landed most of her significant strikes. I just think that if she's unable to get the same takedowns over her now opponent in Bruno Brazil, it's going to be a really, really tough night for her. And Bruno Brazil in her previous fights has proven to be pretty hard to take down. Shanna Bannon went uh, 0 for 2 on takedowns over her. And then her... Last opponent, Denise Gomes, which is the one that was able to get the win, she was able to actually establish wrestling, right? She got three for three of takedowns on her. So it's weird, right? Styles make fights. Um, I think Luma Lukbomi didn't, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think she had as much of a reach disadvantage going in against Denise Gomes. Um, Let me actually look that up real quick because I don't want to be a liar to you guys. Let's see. Denise Gomes' reach... Is da, 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 da. five two reach is sixty three inches. Yeah, so it was literally a one and a half inch reach difference versus four inches. Uh, it's a pretty significant difference here in reach disadvantage. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaning towards Bruno Brazil in this one. I think the special one gets it done. I think maybe she is a special one. Uh, she definitely needs some more experience under her belt before she starts fighting like big ranked opponents. But I think Loma Lokbomi will be a good litmus test for her here in the division. What do you think, Nano? I mean, man, I don't think she's just a litmus test, man. I think she's the truth. I think I'm going to have to disagree. Agree to disagree, brother. Kindly. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. I, wanna, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I love that expression. Yeah, man, I'm really excited for about this Loma Luke Boon Me, not just for her name and how it sounds, but I do think she's extremely talented, brother. You did mention it, man. Some of the striking skills she has are a thing of beauty, man. She's a little bit compact. She's definitely a little bit shorter, right? I think she's going to have a five-inch height disadvantage. And like you just kindly mentioned there as well, about four, four-and-a-half-inch reach disadvantage as well. But the thing is, she does use all of her limbs. She's not just in there throwing strikes. She knows how to throw her leg strikes very well also. So I don't know how well Bruno Brazil is going to be able to get inside. Again, she is, and Bruno Brazil is extremely well-rounded, like you touched on as well. Um, her, abil- her durability, I mean, sometimes your best ability is availability, but in her case, the durability is huge for her game. Uh, and being able to find a way to... Uh, stay one step ahead, right? I mean, with nine nine and three record at thirty years old, Bruna Brazil, three KOs, two subs, very well rounded. Again, this is going to be a good litmus test, like you said, for both fighters, right? Who is worthy of that next, you know, top fifteen shot or that next, you know, up and coming contender? They're both right in the peak of their careers at twenty eight and thirty, respectively. But I'm going to lean the young, fun, exciting striker in this one, brother. I just something about the way. That Loma Luke Boonmi goes out there, man, and just seeks nothing but sheer violence. She was able to get the rear naked choke as well most recently. Yes, she did lose to my girl Lupita Lupi Godinez back in uh, 2021. And yes, she did also lose to Angela Hill back in 2020 during COVID, February, right? Uh, when things were pretty crazy. Um, but I don't, you know what? I mean, let's look at the positives, man. I, I'm, a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And in between that time period, she's able to been able to string together four wins since then. This girl Loma, Luke Boon Me, man. You be looking the other direction, but you better look boon me right now. <laughs> 
I tried. I tried. <laughs> oh, it was good. It was good. I laughed on the inside. <laughs> that's yeah, that's so where it counts. The counts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mad Max Meridian said in the chat here, tough matchup. Uh, this was one I ended. Uh, sorry, tough matchup. This was one I ended up leaving alone. Leaned towards Loma decision minus one ten. <sighs> well, if you're not with me, you're against me. So fuck you. Um, just uh-huh. kidding. You, you guys, you guys can gang up on me all day. That's fine. Uh, moving into the next one here, we got Timothy Twilight Kwamba fighting out of America versus Balaji, the Zulu warrior Oki fighting out of Belgium. Um, very interesting matchup here. These guys are pretty evenly matched from what I can see. Again, this is another one that kind of got shifted around and at another short notice fight here. So it was, <coughs> excuse me, it was originally supposed to be Demir Hadzevic coming in against Balaji Oki and uh, Timothy Kwamba stepped up. So, Let's see what Timothy Twilight brings to the table here, folks. Um, his last fight was on Tough Enough, 135, and he won with a head kick followed by punches in round two over Michael Stack. Um, he pushed Michael Stack to the back, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, and before that, he actually got a win on Dana White's Contender Series last season over Mateo Vogel. Not enough to get him a UFC contract, but looks like uh, it was enough to... Keep his name front and center and top of memory. So, here we go. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about this one. Both of these guys are eight and one. They're both very, very young in their career. 28 years old for Balaki or Balaji Oki, and uh, 24 years old for Timothy Kwamba. These guys are fighting in the lightweight division. Uh, they both look pretty jacked from what I've what I've seen here. Um, not a, not a huge reach disadvantage either. Timothy Kwamba is giving up two inches to his opponent in Oki. But again, I, I really, really like the way that this fight uh, was kind of brought together. Timothy Kwamba is coming up to my knowledge. Again, it's a short notice fight. Um, I believe his last fight was a weight class down. Yeah, featherweight. He usually fights at 145. So he will be giving up. Quite a bit of weight, probably, to the Zulu Warrior. If I had to bet on this one, I'm going to bet my shot on the Zulu Warrior. Balaji Oki just looks pretty fucking jacked for a 155-er. And again, the guy has a nasty knockout on the Contender Series. He won in the very, very first round over Dylan Salvador. Took him less than three minutes to get it done. Um, handful of punches, hit him with a barrage, followed by some knees. And man, that's all she wrote, brother. So... I think uh, the Zulu Warrior is going to send Timothy Kwamba to a nice little twilight. Yeah, brother. Couldn't agree more. I think he's built with vibranium or something, man. This guy's an absolute Zulu Warrior, as his nickname says. And yeah, out of eight wins, he does have five for, for knockouts, and most of them are as of recent. And it could be in the first round. It could be in the second round. It could be with a couple minutes left in the third round. He has power all throughout 15 minutes, and he's going to find a way to get it done. Like you mentioned, it's a short-notice fight. That does always kind of even the playing field a little bit, no matter what, right? I don't care if you're 145 or 155-er. That may even benefit Timothy Kwamba a little bit, knowing, hey, I don't have to do all this crazy weight cutting. I can just be lean, mean, fighting machine in there. Uh, And Zulu Warrior, again, being the big dog, man. And like you know, brother, I mean, like you're kindly, swiftly, 
showing some combinations and strikes right now just because you're a big boy and you know i could have these guns but they could get tired quickly brother and hey speed kills right i mean the biggest guy isn't always the best guy especially when it comes to fighting so i do think it's going to be a, a good one it's gonna be a fun one maybe a bit of a slobber knocker uh maybe a low-key sleeper low-key banger uh but i do think balaji oki's gonna win it i do he's he's built with vibranium like i mentioned i think i'm gonna lean into that wakanda joke and uh take him for sure <laughs> cool camp he's ready to go i will say the one thing that makes me worrisome is uh even though they're both eight and one timothy kwamba mr twilight himself uh he has a much more extensive uh amateur record so our guy balaji oki the zulu warrior uh went one oh and one in amateurs so he had one win and one draw and his opponent had uh four wins or sorry five wins one loss and one canceled belt. So he went five and one. Um, again, much more extensive. So, okay, yes. Confirming Mad Max. You guys have Lomo, Luke Bone, me. I got Bruno Brazil. Um, it's perfect because now when Nano has to do a shot, I won't have to do a shot with him because Mad Max will be doing one in solidarity. So in this one, he said, I didn't know much about either of these dudes. Axie was all about Balaji. Because the Belgium connection. Oh, yeah. The guy that comes in your stream. That tracks. That tracks. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going with I'm going with the Zulu Warrior as well, man. I think uh I think he gets it done. Another fun fact about him that I really, really love. Anytime this is the situation for a fighter, it's like a chef's kiss for me. It's just it feels like a fucking movie moment. Um, so he's eight and one, right? He's on an eight-fight win streak, though. So he lost his first professional match and was like, I never want to have that feeling again. And then he just hasn't lost since. Um, so yeah, yeah, super super fun stories. I love I love I love a story. Yeah, I mean, manifestation, brother. That's what that means right there. I love that. I love that about him. I mean, that says a lot, right? I mean, you go through adversity, and hey, it's not a loss; it's a lesson learned, baby. I like it. We don't lose. We win or we learn. That is the that is the rule of thumb when it comes to martial arts, folks. Um, in this next one, we got the preliminary headliner in Trevin Giles, Mr. Five Stars, coming in against Carlos Pretes. This is going to be a very interesting matchup. Um, again, very similar records, 17 and 6 to 16 and 5. Um, little America versus Brazil action here. I'm curious. Nano, who do you see winning this one? Who's the shot on? Oh, boy. This is a fun one, y'all. Uh, and I think they put it as the prelim headliner for a reason, man. We got Trevin Giles coming in, 31 years old, 16-5 and five record, 6 KOs, 5 subs, very well-rounded. He's a dog, right? He's been in there with the who's of the who's. He's been in there with the guys. Anyone you could think of, he's done it. Uh, but, yeah, and, and he's a good, well-rounded guy, right? Uh, most recently, we've seen him. Uh, squared up against a tough, and it was a tough loss, uh, against Gabriel Bonfin. Uh, also has a loss against a Mike Malat. And I hate to say it, he has a lot of losses as of recent. Uh, also losing against a Michael Morales and a Dricus Duplessis. Uh, but he did beat a Roman Delize and a James Cross. So let's end on a good note here, man. I do think he's a tough, tough fighter. And unfortunately, man, it just seems like they keep feeding him these young hungry bulls that are just coming up ready man there and this guy carlos i mean his nickname is literally the nightmare i mean my goodness what more do i need to say about him 
Uh, but he is 30 years old, 17 and 6 record, 12 KOs, three subs. It's an extremely high finish rate as well, y'all. Uh, and they call him the nightmare for a reason. He's a nightmare to deal with in terms of his size. Uh, again, being 6'1 here, just a little bit taller than Drevin Giles, but for 170 pound, uh, weight division, that's good size, good size. Uh, 30 years old, like I mentioned, but also that's 78 inch reach. So he's going to have a four inch reach advantage. He's long, he's lanky, he's wiry, man. I do think he's going to find a way to use his strike and pedigree to really put it on Trevin Giles. I don't think he can necessarily, I mean, he could finish him. Anything can happen in there. But I, I just feel like it's going to be a 15 round just brawl. And I do think that Carlos Nightmare Pratis is going to find a way to win it. I think he's uh, one of those best kept secrets, man. There's something about Brazil and a lot of these other countries, respectively, man. It's You see these guys with a good record. You see the high finish rate. And then when you put on the tape and it all matches up, it's hard to bet against them. So I'm liking what I'm seeing. My, my shot and uh, my potentially put a bet here on Carlos Nightmare Pratis. That's how confident I am. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I'm not mad at it. I'm definitely not mad about it. Uh, with that being said, I think my shot's probably going to be on Carlos Prates as well. I think the Nightmare's got a, a pretty fat chance at winning this one. But, you know, it, it's never smart to straight out bet uh, Trevin Giles out of a fight. So, I think it's probably a safer bet here to look at, uh, let's see here, alternate total rounds. Do we have, here we go, round props, boom. Oh, do we have specific rounds for this one? That would be just beautiful. Yeah, I think I'm just going to spring, I'm going to sprinkle two, two bets here on this one. Okay, okay. Yeah, so looking at their records, um, more often than not, these guys get a finish in the second or third round. Um, Carlos Pretes, you mentioned that he has a very high finishing rate, so I, uh, I had already done the math. Lucky me. It's 88.2% his finish rate. His opponent's finish rate is 68.7%. So between these two guys, they carry over an average finish rate of 75%. Um, if you average them out together, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's high. And most of most of the time, again, more often than not, like it's a second round finish. Um, fucking Pretes has even had a five, a fifth round finish in a modified kickboxing fight for SFT Extreme Two. Um, so again, he's had a lot of round two finishes. A lot of he's had a lot of late round one finishes. I just don't think that that's going to happen against Trevin Giles because Trevin Giles is pretty damn durable. He. I think he's only been finished in the first round twice. That was by Michael Morales and Gabriel Bonfim. Oh, no, that's wrong. Damn it. Gerald Mearshart got him in the first round, too. Fuck. Okay, I'm going to have to come back to this one. But, I mean, as of right now, I'm still leaning. As for the money bets, I'm going to hedge a little bit on a specifically round two finish or round three finish, not specific to the fighter. You can get that at plus 300 and plus 550 odds. Ooh. So. Yeah, I think those are fun, fun plays. Uh, round three is plus five fifty. Round two is plus three hundred. I'll, I'll probably sprinkle like a half unit on both of those. If I'm being honest, 
And then if they finish in the first round, I'm just going to fucking cry and do a shot of whiskey. <laughs> when all else fails, I think uh, you got to bust the whiskey out. I like it, brother. That's uh, a good bet. That's a good bet. Yeah, I like it. I like that one. Um, man, all of those fights we just broke down and we have not even touched the main card. Sheesh. But you know what that means. It's time! For the main card, folks. Uh, and man, we are going to jump right on into it. So we did have a couple of little fight cancellations here, little cancel cancels. So Danny Ige was originally supposed to fight Lerone Murphy, Robert... Um, Bixick was supposed to fight Albert Duraev, but those fights are not happening. Now Robert Bixick is fighting Ihor Poteria, and um, Danny Ige is actually fighting a more exciting fight, in my opinion, against my guy, Andre Touchy-Feely. Um, love that guy. Love watching him fight. Always an exciting fighter to watch here. So... That being said, Nano, Rodolfo, Rodolfo Vieira is coming Atta in boy. against Armand Petrosian. This is a really fun fight. Armand Petrosian is uh, one of those guys that I really, really had a lot of high hope for. And same with Rodolfo. Uh, I thought Rodolfo was going to be just like an absolute Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu phenom. And uh, it turns out he's extremely strong, but he gasses out super bad. We saw it happen in previous fights. Um, if this happens against somebody like Armin Petrosian, it's going to be a real tough night at the office. This Armenian fighter, Armin Petrosian, nicknamed Superman. You know we're a big fan of that around these parts. Um, the guy's got it all. He's got grappling skills. He's got knockout skills. He can go the distance if he needs to. Uh, he's only lost two times. He's never been submitted. He's never submitted anybody either, but that's okay. Um, he's got knockout wins, and that makes him a very, very fun fighter. By the way, guy's got a fucking split decision win over RoboCop Rodriguez. Like, his only loss in the UFC was to Kyle Brayo. Like, if you know who that is, you understand that that's not that big of a notch on the record. That guy's a fucking monster. So, Animal. I like Armin Petrosian in this one. Uh, his opponent is an absolute submission machine. Eight out of his nine wins are by way of submission. It's 89% of them, just in case you needed the math real quick. Um, fuck me, right? You got a submission machine versus a guy that's never been submitted. It's kind of a scary prospect. Uh, but he went out there against Chris Curtis and couldn't submit him. He went out there against Anthony Hernandez and got submitted. I just, I, I got to feel that Armin Petrosian is going to go out there, keep him at the end, keep him at range with the jab. Pepper him up throughout the throughout the fight duration. And even though he has a two-inch reach disadvantage, Rodolfo Vieira is no striker. Um, and I'd be hard-pressed to think that he's gained a striking acumen in between his last fight and this fight. That'll be able to compare with Armin Petrosian. Uh, give me Armin Petrosian in this one. Again, with the Muay Thai style that he brings to the octagon, I just think that he's going to present more problems. Um yeah, maybe it's biased because, you know, I love a good Muay Thai-style fighter, but I I'm taking Armin Petrosian in this one. I'm curious to hear who your shot's on, uh, and while you give your breakdown, we'll go ahead and do our honorary main card shot of the evening. Let's do it, brother. Let's do it. 
And uh, I have my wine glass on me right now, but maybe I'll hop off and get my whiskey as well. But yeah, brother, honestly, and I don't need to say much more than you did. I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you mentioned. Hard for me to bet against anyone named Superman, but the reason why I'm leaning that way, and again, man, I mean, the odds for both these fighters are virtually identical. A lot of their stats are virtually identical, uh, but there is a little bit of difference in their game, right? Arm, Arm, Armin Petrosian. Uh, is 6'3", and he uses that length very well, even though he's going to have shorter reach than Hidalfo Vieira for some reason somehow. Um, but Hidalfo isn't known to use that reach. He's more of a inside fighter, and he wants to get you down to the ground, right? And that's what we're going to see here. We're going to see the striker versus the ground uh, tacticianer. So Hidalfo Vieira, 34 years old, 9-2, and two, like you mentioned, 1 KO, 8 submissions, ladies and gents. 8 out of 9 of his wins are by submission, so... If he gets it bound, if he gets you in a bad spot, he might find that victory, man. He might sniff it out. He's like an anaconda down there. He's slithery. Um, but, hey, every fight starts on their feet. And I do like to lean my my uh, strikers and my boxers especially. And Armand Petrosian does all of that very well. 33 years old, 9-2, and two, 6 KOs, ladies and gents. 6-9, and nine, two of my favorite numbers. You put that together, I like what I'm seeing. I do think he's going to find a way to get it done, brother. Uh, I'm, I'm going to lean the striker in this match. I, again, Adolfo, he scares me a little bit. You know, I, if, if he gets hurt early, it can be downhill real fast. So give me a Armand Petrosian, man. By a, say by finish, but if you get some good odds here, or if you like the under, may not be a bad chase. Yeah, I'm definitely not mad at that, man. I think Armand probably gets a finish here. I think he's very live for a finish in this one. Um, I don't know if I take him for finish or if I just take straight money line on him. Uh, but either way, I think I'm probably gonna gonna go on there and lean lean your way, man. Um, fuck. Yeah, the the DraftKings website just shit the bed for me right now, so it's not showing me odds on money lines. But uh, oh shit, let me see. Yeah, I feel like I feel like oh you know what I could probably use Cap MMA shout humble shout out to Cap MMA. There the boys go. over there. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out, Cap MMA. Uh, yeah, there we go. Boom, boom, boom. They're both minus odds. Minus 115, Rodolfo. Minus 105, so Armin. literally a pick em. Yeah. That is as pick em as you get, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That is about as pick em and as the, it gets. And the under two and a half is minus 175. That's the most likely that they Fuck. think it's going to happen. <laughs> so all right. Well, maybe that, don't get that, ladies and gents. On that note, maybe just avoid that one at all costs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you're going to do it, maybe parlay it. Even then, I don't know, dude. I'm probably going to stay away it's from that It's not getting one. great odds. It's just, yeah. yeah. It's not. <laughs> the math isn't mathing for that one for me. Um, so jumping into the next one, again, I, I, I hate how often I'm having to say this tonight. What year is it? Um, Michael Johnson is fighting. Uh, he's fighting Darius Flowers. A young man named Beast Mode versus a young man named The Menace. This is just a very, very odd fight to me. I know I keep saying this is an interesting matchup. <laughs> this one isn't interesting. It's just odd. Um, <laughs> just, yeah. Michael Johnson is coming in here. Michael Johnson, you might remember as the guy who knocked out Dustin Poirier. And in my opinion, had no business knocking out Dustin Poirier. Uh, so... It happens. Michael Johnson is an MMA anomaly. Uh, he goes out there and beats people he's not supposed to beat, but that means sometimes he goes out there and loses to people that he's not supposed to lose to. Um, I thought he was going to go out there and like truly put it on a Jamie Malarkey. 
That just was not the case. Um, I thought he'd go out there and beat Diego Fajeda. That simply was not the case. I think he's going to go out there and beat Darius Flowers, but man, oh man, I just don't know if that will be the case. Um, Darius Flowers' most recent fight was against Jake Matthews. He lost via rear naked choke in the second round. Two minutes and 37 seconds in. Fantastic showing uh, for Jake Matthews. In the fight before that, he fought his way and punched his ticket into the UFC against Amiran Gogoladze. Winning via shoulder injury by slamming his opponent in the first round. Um, it was violent, but it also felt kind of like dumb luck. His opponent landed on his shoulder. It popped. Opponent couldn't continue. Had to stop the fight. Um, got him a ticket to the UFC. Makes it to the UFC. Gets fed to Jake Matthews. Loses. As they say in the Beauty and the Beast, tail is oldest time. Um I just, I, I think Beast Mode, and yes, that was a pun for Beauty and the Beast, Beast Mode. Uh, <laughs> it was a bad stretch of a dad joke, dude. Um, they don't all land, and that's okay. Dude has, like, the legit, I, I think it's, like, the Gracie Barra fucking symbol on his chest tattooed on him. Um, that being said, most of his losses have come by way of submission, which is just very confusing to me. He's got the jujitsu symbol on him. Most of his losses have come by way of submission. And he only has, I think, one submission win. Dude is an absolute hammer when it comes to fighting, though, because he just knocks people out. Uh, he has knockouts that have taken less than one minute. Over Tim Healy, he knocked him out in 43 seconds. Um, the one on the Contender Series where he popped old dude's shoulder out took a minute and 13 seconds. So he has power. He has freakish power. His nickname, Beast Mode, does not come from no reason. But I think Michael Johnson just has really underrated boxing, which is how he was able to get Dustin Poirier. And I think Dustin Poirier is one of the best boxers in mixed martial arts and for sure in the UFC. And this guy was able to go out there and outbox him and simply catch him at the end of his punches. So if he's able to do that to Dustin Poirier, I think he's going to pick those flowers. Well, I like it, brother. Damn, that's a good breakdown. So you think we're going to see some vintage Michael Johnson here? A, I really do. I think, I think we're bit? gonna see. I think we're gonna see something crazy. I'm gonna call it something crazy here. Usually we see like boxer Michael Johnson. I feel like we're gonna see kickboxer Michael Johnson. Dare I say we might even see Muay Thai Michael Johnson. Muay Thai Mikey. Muay Thai Mikey. Muay like Thai it, Mikey. I like it. Cheers, Give brother. It up for Muay Thai Mikey. To the boys. <sighs> Yeah, dude, Ooh. I think uh, I think Michael Jansen, bro. Who do you got in this one? Man, that's boy, you're extremely persuasive here, brother. And man, it's hardly bet against him, right? And he is the betting favorite here, so I don't need think I need to say much more than what you did already. But I do think it's gonna be a fun fight, y'all. I do think we are gonna see a good version of Michael Johnson. And the and the reality is, it's like it's not like we ever see a bad version necessarily. He has always looked good, man. But he's fought a literal murderer's row since he's been in the octagon. I mean, he's been one of the top guys. And even like Dustin has said, and he's trained with other top guys as well. I think even like a Jorge Masvidal and a lot of those American top team guys. And they all know Michael Johnson's a dude, right? I mean, he is a guy that shows up in the gym, has all the skills. I do think if he has a good camp, if he could avoid injuries. And like you said, brother, maybe he could evolve his game a little bit. Maybe develop something he's not normally known for. 
Maybe he does have some leg kicks. Maybe a little Muay Thai Mike, man. I, I like it, brother. I, I would love to see that from him. I think that'd be a great evolution. He loves to be in the pocket. He's a violent dude. He can take a punch. And instead of trying to be on the outside, trying to be all slick, why not be the one that's applying the pressure, right? There's a hammer in the nail. Why not go ahead and be the hammer in this scenario? So I like it, brother. I think I'm going to leave Michael Johnson as well. Wasn't I was on the fence, but I think you sold me, man. Good salesman here. Let's go. Let's fucking go, baby. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be completely real with you. I think if Michael Johnson goes out there and just fucking dog walks this kid, he's got to be on the cover of volume two of He's a Dog. This episode brought to you by our sponsors uh, at He's a Dog, the publishers. <laughs> so uh, all, all jokes aside, we like to have fun here. And that was exactly what that was. So jumping into the next one here, since we're both leaning on Michael Johnson, um, I think we might be torn on this next one, man. I don't want to persuade you any which way, though. So I'm going to let you take the lead here. We got Brad Tavares coming in against Gregory Robocop. Rodriguez, Nano, with a hot mic. Tell us who you got. Oh, boy, oh, boy. This is a freaking slobber knocker, y'all. This is an absolute banger. We got Brad Tavares coming off a tough win over Chris Weidman, uh, 36 years old. He's been around the block, y'all. He is a UFC staple, someone you know, we love, and he comes out and he brings nothing but violence every time he's in the octagon. Uh, but, and again, with five KOs and 13 decisions, so he's durable, he's fun to watch, but, but, but. He's going in there against a Gregory Robocop Rodriguez. Man, one of our favorites that we love to talk about. And we've seen him down and out, unfortunately, but not as of recent. I think he's just in stride and just getting into his prime at 31 years old. He's got that dad strength, got that dad energy, 14 and 5, 9 KOs, ladies and gentlemen, with a good Brazilian jiu-jitsu background as well. What more do I need to say, man? Just look at the guy, turn on the tape. I admire him a little bit. Look at his Instagram. I mean, the dude's an absolute savage. He he looks the part. He has the build, uh, and he has all the motivation and, and everything in front of him, right? I mean, he is the favorite here at minus 250. He's going to be a couple inches taller. He's going to have an inch reach, and I just feel like he has, not to say Brad doesn't have just as much to fight for, but I think that hit, he being Gregory Rodriguez, his trajectory is going up. And I think it's going to continue that way. I think Brad Tavares, again, coming off a good gritty win over Chris Weidman, who, I mean, let's be honest, probably should have been retired. Love him, but wasn't wasn't meant for that. Brad Tavares is built different. But, man, and, and I don't think he'll necessarily get knocked out. But I think this is going to be a fun 15 minutes. I do think Gregor Rodriguez is going to find a way to edge it out, though, in the, in the end. What are you thinking, brother? Are, are you leaning Brad? Are you going to talk me out off the ledge here? Let me tell you a little story about a man named Big Bad Brad. All right. Um, Big Bad Brad, he walked into town a very, very long time ago. Uh, Big Bad Brad, he found himself in an octagon standing across from a very bad foe. Big Bad Brad, he's fought a who's who. And maybe I need to remind you just who this guy has gone through. So uh, all rhymes and all jokes aside, the man has fought Robert Whitaker. 
The man has fought Elias Theodoro, God rest his soul. The man has fought Israel Adisonia. Okay, and Adisonia couldn't finish him. Um, Robert Whitaker did, and that was Whitaker Prime, folks. Uh, he, he's fought Tim the Barbarian Bosch. He's fought Yoel Romero. Yeah, Yoel fucking Romero. Uh, Lorenz Larkin, Bubba McDaniel, Christoph Jocko, Evan Shabazian, um, Antonio Carlos Shoeface Jr., um, Omari Akhmadov. Like, the dude has fought just an absolute who's who of fucking middleweights, folks. And uh, he has just risen and, and risen and risen and risen to the occasion. Meanwhile, across from him is someone that I'm very high on, a very big fan of. Love me some RoboCop, folks. Um, I love a good, cheesy, bad 90s movie just as much as anybody else, just as much as the next guy. And I love someone that uses one of those cheesy 90s movie characters as their nickname for mixed martial arts just as much as the next guy. But RoboCop Rodriguez, you know, with with all due respect, um, even though he does have submission game, we don't really see him use it all that often. More often than not, he is a man who will punch you into the freaking ground. Um, Elbows from back mount, ground and pound, punch knockouts, you name it. Uh, The dude gets crazy knockouts. His last like eight finishes have been knockouts, most of them in the first round or second round. So the guy goes out there and just throws venomous haymakers. Now, when it comes to Brad Tavares, the man has definitely been knocked out before, um, but not super often, right? Edmund Shabazian caught him with a left head kick. It was super nasty, just shin-to-chin action. Bruno Silva got him with a knees and then punches barrage. And, I mean, both of those happened in the very first round. So if Gregory Rodriguez is going to get a knockout, I think it's live in the first round. If he does not get a knockout in the first round, in fact, I, th- I, would, I would bear to say that Every minute after the fourth minute in this fight that goes on, Brad Tavares gets closer to victory. I think after the four-minute mark, Greg Rodriguez is going to lose a lot of steam. Um, I like G-Rod. Big fan of the Robo Cap. But I, I got Tavares in this one, man. Give me Brad T. Oh, we And we are... Not on the same foot here, but that's going to be a fun one. I think it's a toss-up. I think the odds, and you're getting some good ones here for our boy Brad Tavares, so might be worth looking at. Might be worth hedging a little bit. Yeah, I like I like those odds on Tavares, and uh, I feel like it's not often enough that we get some Brad Tavares plus odds. Brad Tavares at plus 205? I mean, I'll hammer that all day, brother. All day. Hammer it, brother. Don't be the nail. Hammer that. Uh, speaking of hammers, man, in this next one, we got uh, the man who beat a legend in Ihor Pulcheria coming in against Robert Brixick. This is a, this is a, a short notice fight. Um, we'll call it what it is, right? I think Ihor was just itching to get back in there. And uh, Robert Brixick already had a fight on the card against Albert Duraev that Albert Duraev had to, for whatever reason, pull out of. Not all. I'll let you take the lead on this one. How do you see this one playing out, my guy? This is an interesting one, man. This is an interesting one. We do have Robert 
Rick Sick, like you mentioned, taking this on short notice, 33 years old, 17 and 5, 11 KOs. Dude, that finds finishes, man. I mean, he's an absolute dog. He has that power. He has that oomph to his uh, punches. And he's going in there against an Igor Potiera, who, like you mentioned, took out an absolute legend. One of my favorites, one of our all-time favorites here. We all know that. Hall of Famer. Legend. Um, but again, at 27 years young, 19 and 5, very busy. 9 KOs, 6 subs. Dude does find a lot of finishes. But I'm worried, man. He's the Ben... Uh, underdog and it's like how could that be man i mean is it because he's taking on short notice it's at middleweight he's fought at light heavyweight uh, you know is he a tweener is, is this good is this bad for him i don't know and, and this guy bob over here man is bob uh breeds is he is he a beast is he that dude that has that kind of power that can put out a, a bigger fighter he certainly looks the part i tell you that much but there is that six years difference that is close to that range where you usually want to bet the younger fighter um and i mean i i'm skeptical i'm certainly staying away from it all things considered but i mean man igor at plus odds i mean again he's a light heavyweight coming down here i i like it man i wouldn't wouldn't be surprised and maybe that's what he needed maybe he needed to drop down i mean the real the reality is igor his last one two three four five fights have all ended in knockouts and unfortunately he's been on the bad end of that three times but he's been on the positive end twice so however you want to slice that pie take it or eat it or not um man, I, this is a tough one brother i think i'm leaning robert aka bob uh Brizik, to win this one but it's close what are you thinking yeah and i mean uh I, I'm, I'm gonna just agree with you right out i'm just gonna say one thing it's actually his last seven fights have ended in knockout <laughs> Yeah, and if you go back that far, it's actually pretty split even. He actually got three knockouts in a row um, before making it to the UFC. And then he lost three knockouts and got one knockout. So he's four, or yeah, he's four and three uh, for knockouts out of seven fights in a row. Um, not terrible, but not great. Um, not the most longevity-driven uh, strategy for a career there, Cotton, but uh, you'd love to see it. Now, going into my breakdown, I'm going to go with the Polish power here and Robert Brixick. Um, the guy is exactly that, Polish power. Now, he is a actual true-to-heart middleweight, while Ihor Polteria is coming down to middleweight. Don't know how the cut's going to go. We'll have to see uh, bright and early in the morning. About 12 hours from now, they should be on the scale or having already weighed in by then, for that matter. So... I look forward to seeing how that turns out. Um, if Eeyore has a good weight cut, I think this will be a great test for him. For the up-and-comer and Robert Brixick, who's, again, stepping up on short notice for this fight, his last uh, one, two, three, four, five fights in a row were first-round finishes. Robert Brixick. Um, all of those were, were knockouts, by the way. So five first-round knockouts, uh, all with his hands. Not one kick. So... Lot of, a lot of left hook Larry's, uh, a lot of right crosses, and uh, just a lot of power. I think he's probably going to knock the socks off Ihor Plateria. I would probably lean, just because I, I don't love that you're getting him at, at minus odds here, I would probably lean that he gets a finish. Um, Realistically, the under 1.5, if you're going to suffer the, the minus odds, take that at 280, minus 280. Um, otherwise... You go directly to winning method. 
And then you can get, let's see here. I think there were better odds on the knockout. Yeah. So you can get them to win by knockout for minus 125, which isn't much better than the fight line here for him um, at minus 162. But again, if he's going to win, I do see him doing it by knockout. So I got Robert. Give me Bob. I like it, Bob. I think we're finally in agreement here. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Only a matter of time. <laughs> give me Bob. Give me Bob. Uh, moving into the next one, we have probably one of the most exciting fights of the night. We got Dan 50K Ige coming in there against Andre Touchy Feely. Uh, arguably the best nickname in the game in Andre Touchy Feely. Man, this is one that I'm very, very excited about. Um, you know what? I'll let you, I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, man, like you mentioned, this is one we're both excited about, brother. These are two legends in the UFC, two absolute dogs, two guys that have never been in a boring fight inside the octagon or out. Um, they're they're like charismatic dudes as well outside of the octagon. I, I hate to see either of them lose, but unfortunately, y'all, we got to pick a winner. We got to pick a loser here. Just want to say that to start. Uh, but yeah, man, we got our boy Dan, 50K Ige going in here, 32 years old, 17 and 7 record. Five, uh, five KOs and five subs as well. Extremely well-rounded, man. He did have, a, unfortunately, a tough outing against Bryce Mitchell most recently, which led to one of the most cringiest moments we've ever seen in the octagon. But aside from that, man, Dan Egate means nothing but business, man. He's an absolute savage. He has some of the best boxing, one of the best jabs you'll see. And they call him 50K for a reason, man. He's going out there looking to take you out, looking to put a finish, looking to put an exclamation mark on his performances and there's a reason why he's still around and still in, always in the conversation, right? Both of these individuals are. And I think, I haven't said it yet, man, but here's a fight with huge implications, brother. Huge implications moving forward. Uh, because we do got a... a so again, brother, we got an Andre Touchy Feely, man. Someone who's trending in the right direction. Someone who we've seen grow in the octagon. Uh, fighting with Team Alpha Male. Shout out Sacramento, man. My hometown now. Um, well, not now. Where my parents live. Went to school. Shout out Sac State. Shout out Sacramento. Uh, but yeah, brother, touchy feely. I love what I'm seeing from him, brother. Most recently, he did have a tough loss to a Nathaniel Bamboo Wood. But man, I got to be honest. Outside of that, in his most recent win and knockout against Lucas Almeida, has me thinking that he has all things clicking, all things moving in the right direction for him. Um, I think the streaks. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, he, it, it tw- again, Andre Touchy-Feely, 23 and 10 record, 10 KOs, 10 decisions. I'm bouncing around it here, man, because I don't want to pick a winner. I don't want to pick a loser, as you notice. <laughs> if you're listening, you're like, what, what's this guy doing? I'm just holding back, man. I'm trying to stall for time here, y'all. But I, all things considered, I think Dan 50K Ige is going to find a way to edge it out. I do think Andre, T- Andre Touchy-Feely is going to give us a hell of a performance. I don't think he's going to lose any stock here. I don't think anyone's going to get knocked out by any means, but I do think we're going to see some high-level striking. I don't think either of these guys are going to want to go on the ground. Maybe we'll see some clinch work. Maybe we'll see some Muay Thai, hopefully. Maybe we'll see some you know, some uh, exchanges where they're on the fence, but they're offensive fighters. They're going to be looking for that 50K and looking for the, to be the fan favorite, maybe performance of the night. There's a reason why this is headline or uh, co-headlined and positioned where it is. Because I think these dudes are absolute dogs, man. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen. But got to take my boy Dan 
50k Ige here, man. And I hate Ben against Andre Touchyfield. I don't feel good about it. I really don't, man. And shout out Team Alpha Male and Rad Faber for starting a uh, fighting program at Sac State. I believe that like they get credits and everything. It's like a legitimate thing now. Um, hopefully, they'll start to breed more talent in that area. Thank you. Thank you. Shout out Uriah. Legend. Golden boy. Um, but yeah, man. I gotta go Dan 50k EK. Here's here your thoughts, man. I feel like we might be leaning in the right, same direction here. And I feel like maybe you're also torn a little bit. I don't know. Am I off? Talk to me. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> no, um, we are not leaning the same direction here. Um, yeah, I should have had it queued up. I like it. I like it. I uh, like it. Yeah, we are not. We are not going the same direction here. Um, but you know it's okay because I am going to clue you in on some things, and I'm gonna have you lean it back. Like, wait a second, you might be right. Uh, so without further ado, we're gonna jump right on into that. I just think that Andre Touchy Feely, he's you know he he's like a '90s children's cartoon. You know, there's just more that meets the eye with him. I think that uh, he's going to be able to transform his style a little bit here, pun intended, and uh, get it done over Dan 50K Ego in a very similar way that he was able to get it done over Lucas Almeida. I think that he presents um, remarkable power that people really, really underestimate. Um, I personally thought that uh, he should have gotten the win over Nathaniel Wood in that fight. I thought he did just enough to get the win over him. And if you if you give him that win, then he's on a three-fight win streak. And realistically, like we've seen Danny go out there and lose to Bryce Mitchell, and he predominantly lost a striking match to Bryce Mitchell. Like it was more of a striking match than it was a wrestling match. And let me tell you, Andre Philly is a much better striker than Bryce Mitchell. He has a fucking flow state that you would not believe when he gets into it. So for me, I really like Touchy Philly in this one. I think that he's going to really fight off the uh, back or off the front foot. He's going to make his opponent back up, and Danny Gay does not do well fighting backwards. We've seen it happen before, uh, time and time again. So, I think the 33 year old Andre Touchy Feely goes out there, pressures, 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 constantly moves forward, and he's got a three inch reach advantage and. I know you complimented Dan 50K Ige on his jab, and it is one of the better jabs in the division. I'll give you that. It's a chef's kiss moment when we see it. But Andre Philly's jab is equally as good, in my opinion, and I think it's extremely underrated. You know what? Whether you're right or I'm right, it feels like a bit of a late Christmas gift to me because uh, I feel like our stockings are getting stuffed on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're getting a, a little extra something on this fight card. By way of the co-main event of the evening, Dan 50K Ige coming in against Andre Touchy Philly. My shot and my bet are on Andre Touchy Philly. I'm going to put a half unit on Andre Philly in this one. I just think he gets it done, kid. I, I got a feeling. I love it, brother. I love it. I I'm staying clear because I'm too close to home with both both the fighters in the sense that I don't want to pick either one of them. I want to see them both win. And I think even stylistically and when I play out and try to think of the different scenarios in my head, man, it's it's tough to choose, brother. Deep, like it's truly tough to choose. So I was staying clear of it, but hey, man, put your money where your mouth is, brother. Huge respect for it, and hey, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for you. I'll be honest. I'd rather do a shot 
next week and talk about how Andre Touchafili's, you know, sky's the limit for this guy. And he's in top 15 and he's got a title contention ahead of him. I like that. I like that scenario. I think I might manifest that. <laughs> I, might be take both. It back. I think it's our show and I might just take it back. Who knows? <laughs> Let's go, baby. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're trying to get back to the plus money here uh, for 2024. We had a rough, rocky start for the first couple fight cards, but we're going to build our way back up during this one to, to stack these blocks before 298 even is upon us. Uh, and with that being said, without further ado, guys, we are here. We have made it. It is time for the main event of the evening. It's time for a little Joe Pfeiffer versus Jack the Joker Hermanson fight. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I don't think I have to convince you on who I've got in this one. Um, come on. I, I think we both got Joe, yeah? I mean, yeah, I think that's obvious, y'all. We'll lead with that. No uh, no need to spoil it. If you stuck around this long, we won't dangle the carrot in front of you, y'all. We're leaning Joe. Be like Joe Pieford, man. How do you not? Right? But I got to admit, man, I mean, Jack Romanson, he's a savage. He's a dude. He's been in there with some with some guys. Not, has not always beat those guys, but he's a legitimate dude, and he's going to be a legitimate litmus test here for uh, our, our boy, Joe Pfeiffer. How do you see this so stylistically, right? I mean, do you think he's Joe's going to have an answer for Jack Romanson and his ground game and that pressure that he's going to try to apply there? Well, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, first of all. I think that these two guys have... A lot of different skills that they bring to the table. I think it's really kind of a, a wrestler with decent striking versus a grappler with decent striking. I know that, you know, if you're kind of a casual fan, you're like, well, isn't a wrestler or a grappler? Um, Joe Pfeiffer is just more of a traditional style wrestler, in my opinion, from what I've seen. Uh, he's almost like a, a bigger, stronger Bo Nickel, right? A um, little bit more muscling up, a little bit less technique in the, the wrestling skills, but opposite him, you have someone that's actually a pretty prolific grappler. Uh, someone that actually has really solid BJJ skills in Jack the Joker, Hermanson. And, I mean, someone that has a, a handful of submission wins. Now, his opponent, though, Joe Body Bags, Pfeiffer, it's exactly what he does. He puts people in body bags. He uh, has eight knockouts, three submissions. Only one of his wins have gone to decision. And, you know, even that one... It looks pretty dominant, right? So I just think that this kid is very, very sharp everywhere the fight goes. Stylistically, I think the biggest kind of adjusting that's going to have to take place is that two and a half inch reach advantage that Jack the Joker Hermanson has. How do you see it playing out uh, stylistically here, Nano? Yeah, brother. I, I do think that uh, Joe Pfeiffer is getting all the hype for a reason. And I do think that although he is known for his strong power and breaking Francis Ngannou's punching record at the UFC uh, Vegas um, training center or the workout pl uh, center where they have everything, the facility uh, that they have there at the Apex, I believe, actually. Um, yeah, man. I mean, he does also have a lifelong background in jujitsu. Uh, since he was, I believe, like five or six years old. Um, he's been uh, practicing that as well. And I do love where he's training also, man. He's training with some dogs out there in Philly the, with the likes of a Sean Brady and other dudes in that camp who he mentioned that are overseas or other dudes that are just absolute savages. It's a small but mighty crew, and I believe it, man. I mean, what we've seen from Sean Brady, even though outside of that blimp of a loss from Bilal, Dude's an absolute savage, and he has a great record, and he's an absolute dog when it comes to jujitsu. Jiu jujitsu. Jiu 
Uh, so I do think that's going to rub off on Joe Pfeiffer. And again, he already has that uncanning power. He does already have that ability to land with purpose and not just be swinging free nilly like a, you know, Francis Ngannou in his early days. It's, hey, Joe Pfeiffer has technical boxing skills. He keeps a high guard. He's not he's not going to leave any holes in that sense. And I don't think Jack Hermanson is the type of guy to really be playing chess when it comes to standing on the feet. So Joe's going to have his uh, slim pickings when it comes to choosing his shots, choosing how he wants to deploy that game plan. And as long as he doesn't get taken down or get gassed out, which I guess that's the big thing here, right? How does he look in that fourth and fifth championship rounds, right? What Are you are you worried about that? I guess that's the big kind of talk on the block here is uh, people are thinking he might gas out. Do you think that's going to be a thing? Uh-oh, did you double mute? <laughs> Fucking bitch. Double mute. <laughs> you were rolling, um, too. I saw you. You were rolling. Fucking bitch ass. I don't think he's going to gas out. I uh, First of all, thanks for calling me out on the double mute. I appreciate that. Save me any further embarrassment there. Um, I don't think he's going to... I don't think he's going to uh, gas out in this because he's done grappling matches against Gerald Mearshart, against Eric Anders, um... And those Fury Pro grappling matches are are no joke. Um, honestly, like I just feel like he's a, he's a really really tough guy. He's very strong. Uh, he literally beat fucking Francis Ngannou's world record for the strongest punch recorded uh, at the UFC PI. And not only did he beat that record, but he did it three times because the guy thought that the machine was broke. So he did it three times and beat his record three times. Uh, and he had a torn rotator cuff when he was doing that, apparently. So, like, good on him. Um, I don't think he's going to get gassed out. I do think that Jack the Joker Hermanson is a, a, a beast as far as athleticism goes. And, I mean, he's gone out there and had grappling matches of his own recently, right? Like, um, who was it? Yeah, he wrestled against Kamzat Shamaev just two years ago. And, I mean, he lost, but still... He lost the decision on points. So it's not like he was submitted or anything like that. So he is a tough guy to put away. I don't think Joe Pfeiffer will be able to get a submission on him. I think he'll be too wily and sneaky in the grappling realm for him. That's what I meant by wrestler versus grappler. If he takes him down, I could see him getting a ground and pound finish, getting a little fatality action. But, uh, you know, I truly feel like he's not going to be able to get a submission over Jack Hermanson. In fact, I would venture to say that if Jack Hermanson gets a win in this fight, it's probably going to be a, a submission win. Um, I could see him throwing up a crazy submission from the bottom, maybe getting a triangle choke on old Joe there. And, uh, you know, if, if God forbid, God forbid, man, if uh, the gas tank fails him, maybe getting triangle choked would really suck, you know, because you're already low on oxygen. You got this dude's legs wrapped around you. It's an easy way out. But then again, he could also just lift up old Jack the Joker Hermanson and just hit the slam knockout on him. Um, we saw two of those happen in just one fight night not so long ago. And Joe's a stronger dude than both of those kids. So uh, I'm here for it, man. I think um, I don't think he's going to gas out. I don't think he's going to get tired. I think this is going to be one of those situations where he's actually going to be able to prove some things uh, if the fight lasts long enough for him to do so. I like it, brother. I like it. This is a huge test, man. Number 11 is on the line for Joe Body Bags Pfeiffer, brother. And I I would love to see it, man. He has one of the best stories in the UFC. 
no doubt about it. Um, Dan to help buy him a house, dude was living out of his car, dude was going through tough times, living in Philadelphia, one of the toughest cities you could possibly live in, physically, literally, geographically, whatever you want to call it, city of brotherly love, but man, there's some tough areas there. Um, so back against the wall, you know, and I mean, a kind of an abusive family. I mean, hey, I had a great episode on Joe Rogan. I don't want to get too far off track here, but highly recommend listening to if you do want to prep for this weekend or just want to hear a good story about a dude that had his back against the wall, had to see some bad things overcome them and help shape him to the man he is today. Um, but man, I mean, it's it's tough, right? I mean, he does have a legitimate opponent in front of him, the Joker, right? Who, just like in the comic books, the Joker goes up against all the villains, all, all the bad guys, all the good guys. I mean, anybody. Joker wants to smoke with everyone, right? And that's pretty much been Jack Romanson's career, man. I mean, he's gone in there against a Ronaldo Souza, beaten him, lost against a Jared Cannonier, beat a Kelvin Gastelum, lost to Marvin Vittori, um, beat a Edmund Shabazz, like you mentioned, unfortunately lost to Kamzat Chemaev, lost to Sean Strickland, lost to Roman Delizze. But also be to Chris Curtis. What's the common trend here? These are all relevant names that you probably don't even need to look up. You might have seen on some uh, as a next champion. You might have seen on some pay-per-views recently. Or you might just go back and realize, oh, shit, this guy's fought just about everyone that's relevant over the past five to seven years here in the UFC in this division. So huge test for Joe uh, Body Bags. I think that... Uh, you know, our boy Jack Hermanson just might be the next victim here for Joe Pfeiffer, man. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm excited. I'm on the hype train, man. Call it what you want. But I'm certainly rooting for our boy. And I do think stylistically, fundamentally, he could put the, the leather on him. And it m- might be a short night, to be honest. Let's go, Joe. I think you might be right about it being a short night. I think the, uh, the under 2.5 is probably going to be the safest bet here. Just because if either guy gets it done... I think it's probably going to happen in less than three rounds here. Um, Look at that minus 160. That's good. Good parlay. You know what I'm saying? That's not bad for parlay fuel, man. A uh, little, little minus little minus 160 action there. It's better than minus 258 on Joe Pipes. Um, I would probably take that. I'd probably take the, the under 2.5 on that one. And I mean, that's it. I don't really have a whole lot more to sprinkle on that one. I, I do think that this fight is not going to be a landslide victory for Joe Pfeiffer. I think it's going to be a very, very good test for him. I think the real question is that's on the tip of everybody's tongue is, will Joe Pfeiffer continue his meteoric rise to the top and arguably end up earning his way into a title shot by, by I don't know, International Fight Week time? Or does Jack the Joker Hermanson derail the hype train and do something that the comic book joker was never able to do over bruce wayne and get the last laugh (laughs) we'll see we'll see on saturday we'll find out i for one can't fucking wait we'll find out on the next episode of dragon ball z (laughs) (laughs) frieza and cell have come back (laughs) Gohan is powered up. Does he have enough strength? Can he avenge Piccolo? Piccolo needs a Sensu beat. Goku's <laughs> on the way. <laughs> He's running Dude, out of time. We used to get so fucking hyped for Dragon Ball Z episodes. Oh, and literally, brother. that's exactly how it was. Like, on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z, Frieza and Cell. And you're oh, like, oh no, what's good. happening next? God damn it. The wait again. And then, like, 25 <laughs> minutes of Goku powering up. Ah!
episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I used to think too. I was like, is that just one long breath? Like, I give him mad props. Yeah, that's a that's bro. That voice actor man. literally, like, you should look up. Um, I forget his name, but you should look up videos of the guy that does Goku and the guy that does Vegeta. Like, they are both so incredible. Just to watch in the booth doing the thing. I believe like it. I believe turning it. red in the face, like veins popping out of their foreheads and shit. Like they literally, I, I'm pretty sure those both those guys went super saiyan for reals. Oh, I believe it. I believe it <laughs> for reals. Um, so yeah, guys, looked the part. Those are our bets. Um, we might end up throwing together a parlay late night or something. And if we do, you can check for that on at MMA Anomaly on Twitter or at Jive Turkey Talk on Twitter or both. Uh, you know, you should definitely already be following both. What are you doing? Uh, so make sure you hit that like, comment, subscribe button, smash that bell for notifications. And as we like to say here on the MMA Anomaly Show, no filter, keep on going and keep on growing, folks. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show, no filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.